Fragments of Fright, the complete series, is now available. All five volumes of the international best-selling series bundle together into one convenient horrifying collection. Go to Amazon and search for Fragments of Fright Complete Series or go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. (laughs) Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. The Axe Murderer's House On October 13, 1989, a man named Gray Davis killed his wife and two children with an axe in his three-story Queen Anne-style house. In its heyday, the house likely held a luxurious ambience with its decorative slate roof, fancy ridge boards, and Corinthian columns. Nowadays, the tattered and time-worn structure is nothing short of frightening to onlookers. Evidently, Gray Davis had a history of mental illness and had attempted suicide multiple times earlier in his life. He married young and had two children. Both were boys, one year apart. The boys were seven and eight years old when Gray butchered them. Gray was seeing a psychiatrist who claimed that Gray had an increasingly nasty temper and displayed violent behavior. In his last visit with his psychiatrist, Gray complained that his phone was ringing constantly and was driving him insane. Before he left the psychiatrist's office, he swore that if anyone called him that night, he was going to, quote, kill everyone. The psychiatrist alerted authorities, but it was too late. Phone records show that the Davises received three different phone calls within the span of an hour that night. His psychiatrist surmised that the ringing drove Gray over the edge. He buried an axe in his wife's head and then turned his attention to his two boys, whom he chopped to bits. He then threw himself off of the top floor balcony and fell to his death. No one has lived in the house since that fateful day in 1989. My name is Del Grady. I recently bought the house for $500. I outbid the city government who wanted to demolish it and turn the land into a parking lot. My plan was to restore the colossal estate to its former glory and reopen it as a bed and breakfast. 
Historically, bed and breakfasts that have a morbid past do well. Quite well. And that was my primary motivation in purchasing the home. I estimated the restoration to take eight months, with the grand opening to take place within two months after completion. From a marketing standpoint, I wanted people to know about this project from the get-go, so I came up with a brilliant publicity stunt. I offered $5,000 to anyone who could stay in the old haunted house for more than one hour on the anniversary of the murders. Now I had no proof that the house was haunted. No one had lived in the house since the massacre took place, but I wanted to create a legend, and this was the start. The house was old and decomposing in spots. It was loud. There was a lot of natural creaks and squeaks as the foundation continued to decay. Every little bang and bump the participants in the contest might hear and report would help to create the haunted culture. I had over 500 people apply to be participants in the One Hour in an Axe Murderer's House for $1,000 promotion. I randomly chose three lucky contestants. The amount of publicity my spooky contest created was beyond my wildest dreams. Newspapers and news outlets all over the country and even around the world covered the story. The $15,000 I was going to have to pay the three fortunate winners was an absolute bargain in relation to the kind of press and advertising I was getting out of it. But then, something unexpected happened. None of the contestants were able to remain in the house for the full hour to collect the prize money. The way it was supposed to go down was simple. One contestant would enter the house, and I'd lock the doors behind them. The house has no electricity, so their lone light source would be a provided flashlight. The only way they'd be able to get out was if they stayed the full hour, at which time I'd unlock the door and release them. If they couldn't make it the full hour, they had the option of tapping out, thus forfeiting the prize money. Of course, I assumed all three contestants would last the full hour for $5,000. And when they did so, I had it set up for them to do an interview about the ghostly encounters they had, and then I'd hand over the prize money. The big risk on my part was that the contestants would come out and say that nothing unusual happened at all. I had my fingers crossed that wouldn't be the case. The best case scenario for me was for all the natural sounds of the house decomposing to spook them all enough for them to claim they had ghostly encounters, thus manifesting the idea that the house was indeed haunted. The first contestant was a young man named Jim Cates, a sturdy-built jock in his early 20s with short blonde hair. He was extremely confident, and I feared that he wasn't the type that would scare easily. At 7 o'clock p.m., he entered the decaying structure, and I locked the door behind him. Five minutes later, he called me, screaming in terror to let him out of the house. 
After releasing him from the house, it took him over 10 minutes to calm down enough to do an interview. The following is the recording of the interview. What has you so shook up? What, what happened inside the house? Oh man, that, that place is huge and, and, and it's so dark. I've never seen that kind of darkness before, you know, dude? And, 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 and nobody told me that the house hadn't been touched since the murders took place. The furniture is all still in there. That phone that drove the guy mad, it's sitting on the table. And there's dried blood on the walls. It's crazy. Did, did you experience any paranormal activity in the house? Oh, immediately. I wasn't in the house more than a minute when I heard someone walking around upstairs. Stomping. They were stomping around, like, like they were angry. And then I shined my flashlight upstairs toward the sound and I saw a door swing open. That was it for me. That's when I called and quit. I, I've never been so scared in my life. The second contestant was a woman named Chris Walters, a 31-year-old woman who had vast experience with various paranormal investigative teams. Chris planned on using the hour to do a paranormal investigation throughout the house. She claimed she would have done this for free and that the $5,000 was nothing more than a bonus. Chris lasted 34 minutes before demanding to be freed from the house. This is the interview Chris did upon exiting the axe murderer's house. Can you tell us what happened in there? I, I've been doing paranormal investigations for years. I've never experienced anything like this. Can you share the details of your experience? Oh, well... My goal was to walk through the entire house and see if I felt anything paranormal through any of my five senses. I was in there for less than five minutes when I heard something loud coming from upstairs. It sounded like someone pushing heavy furniture. So, being a paranormal investigator, I, I did what came natural. I investigated. I went upstairs. What, what happened when you got upstairs? I was aware of the experience the previous contestant had. He said he saw a door swing open. Well, there was only one door open out of all the rooms upstairs, so I entered the room. Uh, what did you see when you entered the room? Bedroom furniture. It was all messy and out of order, as if someone had been pushing it around randomly. I, I was deep within the room when the door slammed shut behind me. I kept my poise. I assumed the entity in question was trying to evoke a reaction from me, but I didn't want to give them the satisfaction, so I remained calm. And what happened then? <sighs> I, I heard someone knocking on the other side of the door, and then I heard crying. It sounded like a young boy. Again, being a professional... I wasn't alarmed. I've heard strange things before, so rather than showing fear, I approached the door and tried to open it, but it wouldn't open. The doorknob wouldn't even turn. I, I tried my best to get that door open, but it wouldn't budge. As I was shaking the door, I felt someone run their fingers through my hair. I turned around and nobody was there, then I felt it again. 
but this time they grabbed my hair and jerked it. I lost my cool when I saw the shadow on the wall. It was the shadow of a man holding an axe. And what did you do then? Oh, I screamed, and then the door behind me flung open. I ran down the stairs and I called Mr. Grady. That, that was it. The final contestant was Bert Vidalia, a non-believer in ghosts. To him, this was easy money. In his mind, anything odd he heard or experienced was natural phenomena and nothing to be frightened of. He reached the 23-minute mark when he called me. He was screaming, and in the background, I could hear a phone ringing. Of course, there was no phone service in the house, so where the ringing was coming from, I don't know. After he let out a blood-curdling scream, the phone went dead. I broke the lock off the door and entered the home. Me, along with several news reporters, raced through the house. We found Bert Vidalia dead upstairs. He had a deep gash in his forehead, the kind of wound one might expect from an axe. Investigators ruled the death a freak accident. They suggest that Bert ran and tripped in the dark, causing him to fall and hit his head. While some people believe the freak accident story, most do not. Many people blame me. They say if I never held this contest to begin with, Bert Vidalia would be alive today. And they'd probably be correct. I have to live with that. Crazy conspiracy theorists like to suggest that I actually entered the house and murdered Bert for the publicity, which of course is preposterous. But most people believe that the ghost of Gray Davis simply claimed another victim that night. The Axe Murderer's Bed and Breakfast will be operational next month. Make your reservations soon. They're filling up fast. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com, sign up for our newsletter, and I'll give you some free stuff. We'll see you soon. Very soon. I have some exciting news. You can now get Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast merchandise. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, mugs, and much more. Choose from two different Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast logos or get merchandise with one of my book covers on it. Visit maniacontheloose.com slash store That's 
maniacontheloose.com slash store.